411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 66 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, if there are any difficulties with audio quality today, things are a little different. Uh, Jeremy Lambert is joining me, returning after his night off this week. Uh, Jeremy was at AEW in Charlotte, and then he traveled to Baltimore for StarCast and Full Gear, and he is coming to you live from the confines of his automobile. Jeremy, how are you today? <laughs> A night off, I feel like I'm dead after these last couple of days. I don't know what a night off is, but uh, I'm good. I'm exhausted. I'm running on like 10 hours of sleep since um, Wednesday, but I'm here. I'm ready to talk about this entire week, and I'm stuck in traffic, so let's do this. All right, so obviously, as I mentioned, you were at the AEW Dynamite show in Charlotte. So what were your, uh, just some like live thoughts. What did you think about the show Wednesday night, which was the go-home show for the pay-per-view? Really strong go-home show. The Cody promo, I'm sure you've talked about it and everybody's talked about it. Like, I didn't watch Cody in the ring. Like, I, I listened to the promo. Like, I was just watching the crowd. And the way this man controlled the crowd was, you just don't see that a lot and wrestling anymore like he had the crowd in the palm of his hands like his pauses were perfect he knew when to rile them up and like he he spoke with such conviction and that promo was uh, just absolutely knocked it out of the park it was amazing and just his crowd control again something you just don't see a lot in in wrestling with the promos especially with wwe and how they come off very forced and, and scripted like we when we did the show last week, we talked about the, the Moxley promo and how good that was. This even blew the Moxley promo out of the water. Like, Cody is really on, and we, when we talk about full gear, he's on kind of a different level than a lot of people right now when it comes to crowd reaction. I agree, yeah. And, yeah, we also had that great Jericho promo earlier in the TV run and put a lot of really good promo work. But, yeah, I would agree. I thought, I thought the Cody promo... Uh, Cook and I talked about it. Uh, that was a rare, a rare money promo in 2019. Yeah, for sure. And I hope you know. Hopefully, it sold some some extra tickets and some extra uh, buys and everything. Because I thought that was a great promo. The closing go home brawl, um, good. My issue was, you know, this is the sixth week of television, and half of the shows have ended in some type of like run-in filled brawl and this was good as a go-home angle i think it would have meant more if you didn't do this literally the first two weeks on television because now half of your television shows have ended in this same kind of style so it worked the crowd was really into it and everything i don't think they can keep relying on something like that agreed yeah it, it worked for sure i thought i thought it came off really well but uh it kind of goes into the uh, what I talked about with the booking of another non-sanctioned match. It's uh, going to quickly become diminishing returns. Right, right. And it just feels very... The good news with stuff like that is like the crowd eats up all of it. And so because the crowd is so hot, it comes off like maybe a bigger deal than it should. The problem is if you just keep doing it, I don't know if the crowd is going to 
keep being there for it. Right now, it's not hurting them. The crowd is still into it. You know, if they keep doing this for another month and they do it uh, two times in the next month, like, is the crowd going to keep being there for it? We don't know. But right now, it's working. I just worry that you, you go to that well too many times. It might not work as well in a month or two. Uh, overall, who, do, who did you feel, uh, being in the crowd there Wednesday night, who did you feel was the most over on the show? Definitely Cody. Cody was, uh, he, he's on a different level. Riho was probably the, the second most over. She got a really good reaction when she came out. So I would say those were the top two from, from Wednesday night, Riho and Cody. Okay. Uh, any interesting interactions or stuff you heard from the, uh, crowd around you perhaps? Uh, not really. We were kind of all media people, so it wasn't like, you know, super into, you know, being, uh, we weren't really with the, the general population. We were more important. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was sort of just media people. So they had an idea of what was going on and stuff. Uh, Jericho cut a promo before his match that was really good and, and got the crowd into it. Like the crowd chanted stupid dick at him. And he was like, what? Katie Vick? Uh, so that was good. And then the post-show segment, which people will see on Being the Elite, where uh, a birthday birthday kid got to pin Brandon Cutler and, and hold up a title and stuff. And they threw off merchandise and stuff. So it was a good show. I, I like that they come out after the show. And, you know, WWE does the, the dark match and stuff. And, like, that's cool. But with these guys, Cody comes out. The Bucks come out. They're, they're interacting with the crowd. They're throwing merchandise. They... Let let's uh, uh you know a birthday kid come in the ring and get like a really cool moment. I'm sure people have seen the the, the Orange Cassidy kid pinning Cody and uh, one of those. So I like that they like really interact with the crowd after that instead of just giving them a match, send them home with a babyface victory. Like th- this is more than that. So a positive first experience attending AEW then. Yeah, yeah, strong show, good show, and I you know hopefully it, it sold some pay-per-views because it was a, a really good go-home show and i know what the the ratings were and they were getting a little bit closer with with nxt but i thought it was a, a strong aew show i i literally have not even watched the nxt show this week like that's how just no downtime i have had but i, I heard nxt was a, a good show as well and they they brought in aj and the club so that seems like a a cool angle that maybe I'll get to tomorrow. Yeah, the NXT show was also a really good show this week, too, no doubt. Uh, it was another uh, pretty great Wednesday night, as it usually is, so no complaints. So we're going to transition to full gear, which you were at live, as I mentioned. And uh, before we kind of go, like, match by match and all that stuff, uh, I'd like to do some, like, kind of broad strokes, and I'll, I'll go first. I am... Um, I thought the show was really good overall. I enjoyed the show. I thought that uh, obviously the Cody versus Jericho match was the highlight of the night for me. I really liked the main event as well. Um, it's not going to be a match that's for everybody, which I fully understand. thought it was a thumbs up, really fun pay-per-view. I wouldn't call it a must-see pay-per-view. Um, and afterwards, I was, uh, I was really looking at things, and the one thing I kind of came away with is... I guess the best way to put this is they need some editing in terms uh, in terms of um, okay this is a wrestling company it's basically run by wrestlers 
which is giving a ton of freedom to the performers that a lot of other performers don't get at this level. And on one hand, that is spectacular. But then on the other hand, you, you look at the card, and I thought I didn't think anything was bad on the card. I thought, like, quote-unquote, the worst matches were Baker and Priestley and Spears and Janela. Not that they were bad, but technically, if you want to talk worst. Um, but just looking over, it's like, you need some editing. Uh, the opener with the Bucks and uh, Pride and Powerful did not need to go 21 minutes. Page and Pac didn't need to go 19 minutes. I would have trimmed a little time off of those. Because you still would have had a long enough pay-per-view. Uh, I thought Cody and Jericho needed to be kind of long because you were teasing that going 60-minute thing. So I thought going over 29 was okay in that situation. Moxley and Omega uh, was fucking crazy, obviously. I thought it was great. But I also didn't think it needed to be 39 minutes. I think towards the end it got a little self-indulgent. Kind of like the um, the Bucks and uh, Cody and Dustin match at uh, Fight for the Fallen, which just kind of felt like it was going on for an eternity. And I thought if you easily clipped 10 minutes of that, it was a much better match. So I, I think there needs to be like... I think that when they need to lay this show, I don't know if it needs to be Tony Khan. I don't know if they need to bring in just like somebody else with some booking experience to like not book the show, but to be like a sounding board so that when they're laying this stuff out, they're like, listen, it's like, yeah, Santana and Ortiz and the Bucks need time, but do you guys really need 21 minutes? Especially when you're the opener and you're not exactly to go out there and throw out a banger. It was a very good match. I thought they did a lot of stuff right in it, but it wasn't like they went out there to have a classic. So you didn't need that time. And I thought kind of the same way with Paige and Pac. And then again, you go to Moxley and Omega. Didn't need to be that long. So I kind of, they need some editing at some level was a takeaway I had from this. I really enjoyed the show, though, but I think that they need that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, it started the first match with, with B and Britt Baker started at 730. And then the pay-per-view was over by 1130. So maybe a little bit after. But but. From bell to, to bell, essentially, it was a four-hour pay-per-view, which doesn't seem that long. But, like, talking to people afterwards, they all said the show was too long. So even though it was four hours and we've generally, be, you know, accepted four-hour pay-per-views at this point, like, the days of, of three-hour pay-per-views are just long gone, um... It, it still felt long to everybody. And, and that certainly is an issue. Like, I agree that some of the matches could have been cut. I'll talk a little bit more about it when we go match by match. But, yeah, some, some of the matches just felt a little bit too long. And they, they could have been cut down. I think there needs to be editing in, in other ways. And one of the big ones is just, like, kind of moves and stuff. And the, we talked about this at Double or Nothing when uh, who was it jack evans and and helico against best friends i think was the match and, and like they're doing this balls to the walls crazy match and it's like okay like you're just kind of a like where are these guys now like they're they're like at the bottom of the totem pole in the tag team division and they're out there busting their ass in this first match and it's like yeah, okay i understand i want to make an impression but then you kind of cheapen the rest of your tag team matches 
And that sort of happened in the opener when Britt Baker is hitting a Canadian destroyer and B Priestley is kicking out. And it's like, you just use the Canadian destroyer as a transition move. Like that's what this move is now. It's a transition. Like this was the coolest finisher in wrestling a decade ago. And now it's a transition move in the pre-show match. It's like, what, what is going on here? Um, so there needs to be editing in that way, I think as well of, like not every match can be sort of this sort of show stealing kind of type match. Like you got to have those peaks and valleys almost. And sometimes I don't think they, they know how to do that in AEW because they want at all action, all action, all action. And it's the same thing with their, their television show is like, they want to give you match after match after match. And it's like, I want some video promos in there. I, I want some video packages. I want some promos. Like just you know take me down a notch a little bit and then hit me with a little bit more action so i think they need editing in in that way as well definitely i i don't disagree at all so yeah it's like and don't get me don't get us wrong i mean i love a lot of what they do i enjoy the hell out of the tv show every week i really have a good time watching it i never feel like it drags at all and but yeah i mean there's obviously room for improvement and I do think the ratings pattern kind of shows that. I mean, obviously, that week with the World Series was a big hit to everything, but they still haven't, you know, they're, they haven't rebounded yet. And NXT got that boost because they were on the main roster shows, and then you had AJ and the club come in. So, I mean, it's just you need to... Obviously, it's a good show. It's an enjoyable show. I think a lot of people like it, but it's far from perfect. Which is pretty much what we've said every week, Jeremy, despite the fact that, you know, I'm on the payroll. Yeah, I'm co-opted now as well because I watch these shows for for free, got in as as media. Um, So I'm on the payroll too. Uh, Yeah, it's not a perfect wrestling show. It's very good, you know, borderline great. And uh, the crowd is into everything. And I think that really helps is that because it is so new, and so fresh like the crowd uh is still with them and they get the benefit of the doubt that wwe often doesn't get and honestly doesn't deserve after years of kind of not delivering on stuff uh so so that will that benefits aew right now you know in two three months are they going to have that same benefit is the the crowd going to to be there you know we've already seen they're not selling out shows in 30 minutes i don't think tonight's show was sold out uh, being in the arena not every seat was was accounted for i can and i don't even think the tickets were it was definitely sold out it was still a lively crowd i don't think they've sold out dynamite in in weeks now the crowds are still lively but the the kind of honeymoon period as chris jericho called it is winding down and once that winds down then you've got or once that fully ends then you've got to show you know then you your your real show is going to kind of be exposed of okay what kind of stories are you telling what kind of characters are are you getting over and how is this all being laid out to work because now people aren't just going to be like oh it's AEW, it's new it's exciting it's fresh people are going to be like all right what's the hook and I think another thing to consider, because I do want to be fair, is while there are criticisms, I do think we also have to accept that this is a TV product that's only six weeks old. 
they yeah, they still sure. need to find themselves. They have to lock into an identity. They're you know they have a certain set of rules they're trying to establish. So I mean. You know, can there be improvements? Obviously, we talk about it every week to where, like, you know, you always mention, you know, you, you want some more buffering, you want some more video package stuff, and it, definitely they could. I, I, I was dying. I wish they would have ran a video package on Emi Sakura and Riho because they had such a great history, and Kenny Omega put out this tweet like he was doing something awesome, breaking down their feud, and I retweeted it. I was like, basically, like, hey, Kenneth, you know, it might have been a great idea to you know, run this down on Dynamite this week or episode of AEW Dark on Tuesday or that fancy countdown special that was only 40 minutes long and was perfectly designed for this and had plenty of time for it. Or maybe that second fucking hour AEW Dark you had this week. Yeah, the I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the match, but that, that match was completely cold and that's... Uh, I think a one big problem for Dynamite right now, and, and I didn't get to say this, um, or not not Dynamite, but just Dynamite and AEW in general, and I didn't get to say this in the review, but you know, prior to, to Wednesday, like they announced uh, matches on, on Wednesday, but Tuesday night, the only show, the only matches announced for the show were all of the elite guys, you know, Bucks, Cody, uh, Omega, and Hangman. Like those are the the five elite guys. Those were the only matches announced, and it comes off as very like, all right, these are your important guys, and that's fine. These are also like your most over guys, and you gotta start getting other people to to be cared about. Like the Bucks, they're they're not going anywhere. Cody's not going anywhere. Omega, these guys aren't going anywhere, and you know they're they're involved with Jericho and Moxley, other guys who. Like, they're fine. You know, they're not going anywhere. Those are the top guys for a reason. But you've got to start establishing the people under that and getting those people over. Because otherwise, the only things people are going to care about are as if, all right, if it doesn't involve the elite guys, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it's fair criticism. So, yeah, again, they, it's only six weeks old as a TV product. They have a lot to do. Uh, and before we fully get into the pay-per-view, Jeremy, I had a text message that had a very important question for you. Were you at the Excalibur Jimmy Havoc Brawl Jimmy Seafood? <laughs> uh, I was not there. I, I got into Baltimore kind of late-ish on Thursday. And had Jimmy Seafood been walking distance from my hotel, I definitely would have gone. But it was actually outside of the city, and I did not feel like getting back in my car fighting traffic going to it so i didn't i know people who were there i i've heard the accounts from people who witnessed it firsthand i i asked tony about it in the the media scrum so i feel like i got a good handle on what happened but i didn't actually see what happened uh, well i mean the one thing we know coming out of it is excalibur is now one and zero in competition in aw after. He is. He'll probably be the only undefeated AEW wrestler of all time. Came back his first match since 2007 and defeated Jimmy Havoc, so good for him. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, on to the pay-per-view. Uh, so obviously, you got to see the match, but I thought the, uh, the buy-in show was the best buy-in show they've done so far. Because they didn't overload it with stuff. They didn't try to force matches onto it. They didn't do a bunch of bullshit with the librarians. We got 
hype video stuff from the countdown special for the Bucks and Santana and Ortiz for Moxley and Omega for Cody and Jericho uh, commentary came out and then we got a hype video for Britt Baker and B Priestley which was our single buy-in match uh, went 11 and a half minutes I thought it was pretty good overall not like great or anything I thought Brie looked pretty good while I thought B continues to struggle with basically her transitional element. She just looks very awkward at times. Yeah, they first thing on the on the buy-in show, uh, I had not seen like the countdown videos that I guess they posted online at, at some point this week. So being able to watch those, I thought those were really well done. It was very much um, like UFC style countdown shows back when UFC would do those every week, and they they felt important and special and, and can't miss. I thought it was very much in that style. I thought that worked really well. So if you if you had not seen um, the, those countdown shows, like they they hopefully sold some extra pay per views for them. And then and then B and Baker. I know some people were a little bit upset. Like this should have been on the pay per view because it's like it, it was built up more than the title match. So. Why wouldn't this be on the pay-per-view? But yeah, we've been conditioned as, by WWE that the pre-show doesn't really matter. And I think AEW is trying to condition that, hey, the pre-show does matter. Like, this is, you know, you're going to get a good match uh, or a meaningful match on the pre-show. And, like, if this is a meaningful match on the pre-show, just think what you're going to get on the pay-per-view. So I, I didn't have an issue with that being on the pre-show and more people probably watched it on the pre-show than, than bought the pay-per-view overall. Um, and, and as far as the match goes, Britt Baker winning, definitely the right call. I, I think Baker is good. She's getting better each week. B yeah, she, she can, her timing can be off a little bit and just her, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, she telegraphs a lot of stuff. Like, like when you, when you watch her, you can kind of see her, She's almost a step ahead in what she's supposed to do. So it's a little bit unnatural where, you know, a, a good wrestler, a pro is going to be like the timing is going to be right then. Like you don't see what's coming until it's coming. And with B, you see what's coming a, a step before it actually happens. And, and that's not always the, the best thing. Uh, but as far as the match goes, Brit winning was the right call. Again, the one thing I didn't like using the Canadian Destroyer, as a transition move just i did not care for that at all i understand it's a nod to adam cole panama sunrise whatever you want to call it still that that should be a move that puts people away like they've banned pile drivers you know what i mean like pile driver is supposed to be just a move that ends careers and this is a fucking flipping pile driver like the the rotation it's supposed to essentially kill somebody almost and they're kicking out a two on it. It's like, really? Knock that off. So that, that was the one thing I didn't like. So after uh, Britt won the match, she took a powder. And uh, Brandy Rhodes and Awesome Kong arrived. Uh, Kong beat the shit out of uh, B Priestley. And then they took a knife and cut off some of her hair. And um, Shanked her. apparently uh, Kong is an evil hair belt wielding voodoo person. Along with creepy Brandy. Yeah, Kong is like a, a scalp collector, I guess. I, I thought Kong looked good. Brandy, th this is a good role for Brandy. I don't need Brandy wrestling, no. but Brandy's not a like Brandy's a good promo. She she's very well spoken. Uh, she understands that people 
maybe don't like her so much, and I think she plays the heel well. And, and now she she's got a big bodyguard in Awesome Kong, and I think this is a good role for Awesome Kong as well. Make her kind of a, a silent type who is almost like a, a hired gun for, for Brandy, and yeah, she's collecting scalps out there now. So I thought this, this came off well. The... The video packages leading up to this were a little bit confusing, but you could see that this was going to be the pairing. And and I do like the pairing. I think this is a, a good role for both ladies, and I, I think this will, will work out. One thing I don't like is the lights out kind of gimmick. They're already overusing that a little bit. Like, they did it here. It's part of Sean Spears' entrance. They, they did it with the, the Christopher Daniels thing, like, Anytime they, they want to, like, transition to something, it's like, oh, let's turn the lights out. And, like, they have a fucking match called the Lights Out match. Like, knock that off a little bit. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, that led to our pay-per-view opener, Jeremy. Santana and Ortiz defeating the Young Bucks 21 minutes via pin. Uh, I thought this was a very good opening match. I thought they had a good story, a nice mix of modern action with some old-school uh, tag team storytelling. I did appreciate that they did not go too crazy here in the opener, uh, but I do think it went a bit long, even if it was a very strong start to the show. I didn't realize that it had gone so long because it didn't feel long in the building. So I, I think that is a credit to all four guys. They worked hard. The, the one thing that was a little confusing was... Uh, they baby-faced Santana and Ortiz a little bit early with the, the referee uh, not acknowledging their tags. Like Usually that's a, a heel spot. Um, and, and I get why they did it. It was to show that, hey, Rick Knox, those tag team rules. And then, of course, it didn't matter by the end of the match anyway. Uh, so I thought that was just a little... You didn't really need to do that because you were trying to show that the referee knew the rules and AEW actually has rules. But then by the end of the match and really the end of the show, it's like, yeah, we really don't have all that many rules and it all is kind of referee discretion kind of stuff. And it was just a weird thing of they babyface Santana and Ortiz with that spot. Uh, I, I get they're trying to do Shades of Grey. These aren't the two teams you're doing Shades of Grey with. The Bucks are the faces. The Santana and Ortiz are the heels. Like there, there's no Shades of Grey in this whole thing. I thought it was a, a good match, though. The, the Rock and Roll Ex- Express stuff played into it well. Uh, Ortiz is, is really good with his selling uh, and just his, his mannerisms. And, and same with Santana. Like all four of these guys work really well. Uh, Nick selling his his leg. His selling can be kind of all over the place with with what's going on, and that can sometimes be an issue. Like okay, he kicks the ring post, and then he's really hurt. But then he's throwing you know spinning back kicks and, and shining wizards with that same leg. It's like dude. It's either hurt or it's not hurt. Don't hit people with it and make it hurt worse if you can barely walk on it. Like, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so, yeah, Nick Selling can, can be all over the place. We saw that with when he would do the long back gimmick as well. Santana Ortiz winning, right call. Uh, the one thing with the, the getting the heat back with the Bucks and then selling for Rock and Roll Express. Cool moment, but was it necessary? Uh, I thought it was fine because I mean they were gonna you know they were gonna do the beat down and you know, obviously they did the angle with the Rock and Roll Express on uh, Dynamite when they powerbombed Ricky Morton through the stage and then during the match they had thrown like Matt into the Rock and Roll Express so I think it's fine and the thing is too is like 
it may lead to a match, and LAX, you know, if it does, LAX will probably likely just fucking, like, destroy them. You know, the Rock and Rolls get a couple hope spots, but I mean, uh, I thought it played well because you're in Baltimore, you're in NWA territory, and Ricky Morton hitting a fucking destroyer and then a suicide dive, just, you know, really good reaction for that. So I thought it played well overall. Now, if they don't follow up on it and everything, it's like, well, it's like, why did you do it then? Yeah, that's the thing. Are they going to follow up on it? Because, you know, Rock and Roll Express, they're they're going to be like they're. I, I don't know what the contract situation is with NWA, but they're about to be tag team champions here in a couple of weeks. And you know, are they going to be allowed on AEW television? Can they can they work out some type of an agreement there? We don't know. Um, and I don't even know if they I will see if they do follow up on it. I just like just sometimes just let the heels win and then that be that like the young bucks that they really need to get their heat back. Like, why can't the heels just be the heels and they beat up these old dudes? They beat the bucks. And now it's like, shit, like who's stopping these guys? Instead, they're they're selling for 60 year old Morton and, and Gibson. And OK, sure. Thank God. I, I, I think Santana took the uh, Canadian destroyer. Glad he kind of caught him there a little bit because that could have ended poorly. And this is another issue I have with with Baker doing the Canadian Destroyer. It's like, okay, it, like that should be a cool move, but we literally just saw it a half hour ago and it got a two count. So is the move really that cool? Yeah, again, which goes back. I said fair enough when you made the criticism the first time. It's yeah, I probably I would not have done that in the pre- and that's the other thing too with a pre-show match. You don't need to open up all the guns in a pre-show match. It's fine that you want them to have a good match, but if you're going to do this spot, yeah, you definitely should not have done that. Right. So we move on. Um, Hangman Page defeated the Bastard Pack in 1850 via pin. Your thoughts, Jeremy? Good match. Um, This one did feel a little bit long, and I I think that was an issue but overall still a good match um like like a better than average television match uh, i would say a little surprising that pack got the win or uh hangman got the win over pack because now pack is obviously no longer undefeated and you know they're gonna do a rubber match on wednesday i don't know if that's been officially announced on their twitter account but but tony khan said it in the the media scrum that that's happening so there you go um and I guess whoever wins that might be in position for a, a title shot. Um, some really good spots. Hangman looks good. Pack is obviously really good. And I, I like that Hangman, uh, he blocked the, the low blow despite the, the ref back being turned. They did that nasty brain buster spot uh, on the outside, which was, which was really cool. So a uh, strong match, but probably went a little bit too long. Yeah, I thought it was really good overall, but like at the same time, I thought it was it was missing something to get it to that next level to where I'd consider it being great. And I wasn't, I mean, I, I get that they're going to do the rubber match, which is fine, but it's like it's going to be their third match in seven weeks. So yeah, like it, I'm not really this is... I'm not really sold on the page win because then like if Pac wins on Dynamite, it's like. Why the fuck didn't he just win on pay-per-view and then he's in a better position? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, it is, you know, this is something we would 100% knock WWE for is 
their third match in seven weeks. And yeah, this is something WWE does all the time and they get criticized for it. You know, so AEW should come under the same criticisms because it is very 50-50 booking. And okay, somebody is going to, to win the rubber match and then hopefully it moves on from there. But it still doesn't like make it as strong as it could have been. Like either either put a guy over or or don't, especially with these win loss records. Like they really had a chance to make Pack a, a strong contender coming out of this. It's like man, two wins over Hangman um, and, and a win over Omega. Like that's a that's a really uh, strong resume. And now if he loses on Wednesday, it's like okay, well. Now he's down the list because he's lost twice to Hangman. But Hangman can't really face Jericho because Jericho's already beaten him. And if Pac beats Hangman, cool. But he still now has that loss to Hangman on his resume. So why didn't you like just you know have him win on the pay-per-view, like you said? And then he gets the, the two victories. But they're trying to protect Hangman. Like This is the issue with win, trying to make wins and losses matter is you got to try to even out these records. And in that case, it goes to show that, hey, 50-50 booking is kind of a thing everywhere. Oh, for sure, man. But, yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's why I'm not sold on that page win, man, because I thought they were doing a really good job building pack up, and you could have done some interesting stuff with him, Moxley, and Omega. And so now they're just going to do that rematch. So, yeah, not a fan of that. It's the third time in seven weeks. Yeah, the two matches have been really good so far. And this match will probably be really good. But I'm going to laugh now because you were like, oh, someone has to win. I'm going to laugh if they do a TV draw Wednesday. Um, I guess that's possible, honestly. I don't know if that – the thing is, I don't think that's going to be the main event because um, Jericho and Guevara against SCU for the tag team titles is on that show. And I would imagine that's going to close the show. So I don't know if they're going to do a TV time limit, but they could still do like a – a 20 minute time limit or yeah, whatever. There, they, all the matches have time limits. So it's like, I, I could right, definitely right. see that. I just, I just yeah, laugh yeah. because you're like, someone has to win. <laughs> I, yeah, that's true. Like someone doesn't have to win technically. Like they can do a, a DQ or something, but I, you know, AEW has told us like they, they've done very well with most matches having a finish outside of the, the time limits, obviously, but I don't think they've done like a DQ type thing they haven't done a count out type thing they haven't done a a double dq or anything it's just it's been time limits and yeah they could most certainly do another time limit here so we'll say you're right somebody doesn't have to win they could do something out of uh to where uh, a double dq or, or a time limit finish for sure yeah so yeah very good match just not i was not sold on the booking afterwards and Especially now that we talk about it even further, because I didn't know that they were going to do that rematch Wednesday. That makes me not like it even more. Yeah. Uh, next up, Sean Spears defeated Joey Janela at 11:44 via pin. The best part of this match was Tully Blanchard got involved, and they were starting to fuck up Janela, and they hit a spiked pile driver on the floor with Tully doing the spiking like back in the day with Arn. And then Spears hit a running DVD for the win. Tully's fucking great. I thought the match was pretty good, kind of like Priestley and Baker, but it was, at the same time, it was rather flat until Tully got involved in the finish. The match didn't suck. It was the the worst thing on the show, though. It had no heat, and, I mean, what did they really expect? Like, the only thing... 
that has been shown on television with these two is Sean Spears beat um, who the hell did he he beat on on Dynamite? Like I was there and I can't even remember. But he, he beat somebody on, on Dynamite, and then Janela he was going to attack him after the match, and Janela came and made the made the save. It's like okay, so now they're going to have a match. Like there was no heat on this feud. There was no like not no real story behind it. It, it didn't. There was story uh, behind Spears, it if you watched AEW Dark, Jeremy. What was the story on AEW? Well, it goes Dark? back to when uh, they were all backstage at one point, and Janela put his cigarette cigarette out. And yeah, yeah, that was beer. on. And then on right, that was on being the elite. Yeah, so then at the end of Dark, after Janela won his tag match, he was backstage smoking, and Tully came up to him. Sean Spears attacked and beat the shit out of him, and they grabbed a pair of pliers and tried to rip his tongue out and shoved the cigarette down his throat. So th- oh, that actually sounds like a, a cool angle. Why not put that on television? Yeah, which would uh, that goes back to the whole video packages on Dynamite thing. So, yeah, again, like I, you have TV for this reason. Don't put this stuff on dark and, and being the elite, and then expect me to. It's all. It's almost like a, a Marvel Universe type thing. And yeah, I'm going to compare <laughs> AEW to, to Marvel Universe. But you know what I mean? Like Marvel Universe, you got to watch like every single movie. Now they got all these TV shows. So you got to watch all the TV shows to understand what's going on in the movies as well. And then you also got to like read the comics to understand what's going on. It's like I, you have one central thing that you can just run and, and that be that. Like I'm not trying to watch every single thing marvel i'm I'm not trying to read every single marvel comic book so i can understand what's going on in this fucking movie as well like i'm not trying to watch dark and being the elite and dynamite like okay i do it because it's part of my job i I didn't watch dark this week because i was so busy but that that's what happens like some of this stuff gets missed and like if i'm missing some of this stuff you know imagine how like a casual is feeling of like, you know, they're probably not watching much of Dark. They're probably not watching Being the Elite. So the only thing they've seen from this feud is Joey Janela coming out and running off Sean Spears after he tried to behead somebody with the chair. And then that leads to a pay-per-view match. That's not much of a hook for, for that audience. And it showed in this match because it got no reaction. Like, nothing got any reaction outside of Tolly. And Tolly gets a reaction because he's Tolly, not because he, like, he does anything or he's some type of like important figure in, in Sean Spears's life. Honestly, he's wasted with Sean Spears. Cause I don't think Sean Spears is, they need to quit trying to make that happen. It, it's not there. He's a solid hand. As Cody said, they proved that when they had Cody beat him and, and that's, that's who he is. So I thought this match felt like 20 minutes. Honestly, it felt long as shit. I, I had no time for it. And yeah, I, I I'm even upset. Janela lost. Cause I, Joey Janela is actually someone they can potentially build a, a mid card around. And he's, he's very like, he's a likable guy. He's got a great personality. And then Sean Spears is just Sean Spears. Yeah. He doesn't want to be the 10 guy. And yet he keeps doing the 10 thing. Cause that's the only thing people react to with him. pretty much. And I, I was like kind of half joking with the There is a story thing, but like it kind of angers me when people were like, there's absolutely no reason for this to be happening. And it's like, okay, Listen, I understand that they should have done it better on TV, but you can't just make a blanket statement like that when there actually is. 
But no, I mean, again, it's their responsibility to get it on TV. Because like you said, not everybody is going to have time for AEW Dark. It's a nice supplemental program, but with all the other wrestling, that's going to be one of those shows that falls by the wayside for a lot of people. So yeah, they yeah. need to, and they need to, they need to get highlights of that show on. It goes back to the highlights on on Dynamite thing. They need to get highlights of that show on Dynamite because a lot of the stuff would help out. Like Emmy Sakura picked up a win on Dark, and then she pinned Rio. So after she pinned Rio, they should have showed a replay of her winning on Dark as well, and be like, "Well, she's on a roll, and that's why they're facing Sunday or Saturday." You know what I mean? Dynamite is the show that. If you're going to, especially on a pay-per-view match, sure, they had a story. Obviously, like, I saw the Being the Elite segment. I didn't see the the Dark segment. Uh, but if you're going to, to build that stuff, it's got... Well, the Dark segment was probably, what, like 45 seconds? A minute? Yeah, it was like if a that, minute. Yeah, you can't put that on Dynamite. A minute, you can't cut a minute from a match. You can't tell someone to speed up their entrance a little bit or, or, fuck, or something. Or like, They've cut entrances in the past. Yeah, like, you, you've you got to, especially if it's going to be a pay-per-view match. Okay, if you're just going to, if it's going to be a TV match, it's still, like, if you want people to care about this stuff, give people a reason to care about this stuff on the television show. If you don't watch the television show, Janela and, and Sean Spears was cold. Honestly, I thought they could have just cut this entire match from the show, and they could have put it on Dynamite, and, and they could have even done a, a thing of, you know, show the Spears and Janela stuff, like set it up on the pay-per-view. And I know that's a whole thing of, oh, you're you're using the pay-per-view to build television. All right, you're using the pay-per-view to build a television match between Sean Spears and Joey Janela. You're not fucking, it's not WCW where you're building Hulk Hogan against Goldberg uh, on the pay-per-view to, to show on television. Uh, like They, they could have just done that. Like this match just was not necessary for the pay-per-view. And it came off cold. It got no reaction in the building until Tully got involved. Just absolutely none. And then it, Sean Spears, it just no one cares about this guy. And yeah, it's just not a fan of really the, this entire thing, honestly. And again, these are the growing pains of a television product that are only six weeks old. And this is the kind of stuff that I hope that they're looking at and realizing, like, hey, this match was cold. Maybe we should have done something on TV for it. So hopefully that they're they're gonna start picking up on some of this stuff because you know it is becoming an issue in parts. Uh, we got a Kip Sabian interview. He is now aligned with Penelope Ford, and and she uh, dropped the line said, "Why why why can I be bad when I can be super bad?" So uh, possible Kip Sabian uh, Joey Janela feud in the future would be possible. I think. Uh, the the. We know Penelope Ford has a type, I guess. She likes the bad boys. Yeah, it, it hints at a Janela, Penelo, or Janela and Kip Sabian feud. Again, this is where the announcers got to do their job of, of really explaining this. This is where video packages got to come in. And this come came off kind of cold as well because Janela had just lost. So if you're going to feud with these guys, then okay, you're feuding with the guy. Like, Janela keeps losing, honestly. I don't think he's won a, a singles match. I think he's won maybe a tag match or something. But he, he keeps losing these matches. And so I, maybe you tell the story of he loses these matches because his, his, his girlfriend is cheating on him with Kip Sabian, and so his head's all fucked up. Maybe they can tell that story. I, I don't know what kind of story they're going to tell. But it, this is something that 
they're going to have to really explain if that's where they're going to go with this feud instead of just dropping little hints like this because not everyone will know this backstory. Yeah. Well, it would have been nice if Jim Ross said something, but, you know, he had to be Grumpy Cat, so... I mean, I obviously didn't hear Jim Ross on the the call, so I, I imagine, from what I saw on Twitter, it just Jim Ross was being Jim Ross for the show. Yeah, he wasn't as bad as he's been on other shows, but it's still not good. I mean, he's yeah. not doing his job. So, speaking of nitpicking tag team stuff and Jim Ross, tag team title match was up next. Uh, SCU defeated Private Party and the Lucha Bros. Thirteen minutes. Started a little slow, thought they worked themselves into a really good, excuse me, and fun match. SCU uh, retains, and, um, you know, they're the champions right now. That's fine. The big post-match angle where the Lucha Bros started to beat them down. The lights went out, which angered Jeremy because they've done it too many times. <laughs> I'm joking, but I mean, no, you're right. Uh, and then another Pentagon arrived, and they kind of did the mirror gimmick with the two Pentagons, and then... Uh, the extra Pentagon took out the original Pentagon and revealed that it was Christopher Daniels all along, Jeremy. Pentagon would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for Christopher Daniels. Yeah, I like I like this post-match angle outside of the, the whole lights-off gimmick. But like this one made sense. Um, but this is why, if you do it so often... Honestly, the one that just ruins it is the, the Sean Spears gimmick, because... Why, why do the lights need to go out just to introduce Sean Spears? Uh, like, I think uh, Jim Ross has said that before uh, when he's done the commentary. He's like, oh, the light's out. What's happening? And then he's like, oh, it's Sean Spears. Like, yeah, that's pretty much how everyone is. Uh, like, in the arenas, yeah, the lights go out and the crowd, like, makes some noise and stuff. And then it's revealed that, oh, just Sean Spears is coming out. And, like, the arena is just silent. It's like, oh, fuck, it's this guy. Um, like, just knock that one off. And then these post-match lights out gimmicks will will have a little bit more effect as far as the the match goes it was good ray phoenix is awesome oh, live so good, I, he like if if you have a chance to watch this guy perform live do it he rules uh yeah good match again another match that just kind of it had heat because people like the performers but the like what was the story in this match, the the Lucha Bros lost in the finals, but they got kind of a rematch. And then Private Party, they they won the the runner up match, and so they just got inserted. It's like okay, it, it almost made the the entire tournament feel less than because the two finalist teams met anyway, and then the third place team met got got a title shot as well. It's just they they got a. They, they put some effort into the, the tournament, more effort than they put into the deciding a women's champion, but then they didn't put any effort into the immediate follow-up of making a contender. It's just like, oh, the three teams that were there, now they're just going to have a match anyway. So I think that maybe took some people out of the match. It, it was a good match, though. It, it, was, it was fine, and SEU winning was the right call. It was too early to, to beat them, and we'll see kind of... Again, they're going to face Jericho and Guevara on, on Wednesday. I'll be interested to see how they book that because Jericho has been super protective, and obviously Guevara can, can take the loss there and not be... You know, that's not going it, to... It'll count on Jericho's record, but... No one's gonna think that Chris Jericho is less than because Sammy Guevara took the pin, but that like does hurt Guevara, who just keeps losing. And 
it still seems too early to take the titles off of SCU. So we'll we'll see where they go with that on Wednesday. But that should that should be a good match. And then Pentagon and Daniels might happen on Wednesday. They sort of hinted at it, but Tony he didn't confirm that one. He confirmed the other two, but they did hint at Daniels and Pentagon. All right, fair enough. More insider info from Jeremy at the event. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we went to the women's title match. Riho retained the title, defeating Emi Sakura, thirteen twenty-five via pin. Uh, as we already talked about, this was a cold match coming in because the sad thing is, is these two have such an awesome history, and you know the big build was Kenny Omega making a fucking tweet with a spreadsheet that I'm sure Muki Gana made for him. <laughs> you know, so it's like. Big fucking wolf, Kenny. This is supposed to be your fucking baby, dude. I mean, the the saving grace for them is that Rio's really good and over. Emi Sakura is obviously very good. So they had a very good and smartly laid out teacher versus student style match. thought they had nice speed and intensity throughout. It was the expected result, but I thought the work was really good here. And that they basically won over a crowd that was disinterested going in because of the promotion's lack of build. This has been a theme in a lot of women's matches is that the matches have come in cold, but the women work really hard and the crowd gets into it by the end of it. Emmy got like almost no reaction. I, I'm not trying to, to bury this match or anything, but when the video package for this match aired, everyone went to the concession stands. Like that was the biggest, obviously I'm exaggerating when I say everyone, but that was the biggest, like, Everyone get up, go to the restroom, go to the concession stands, whatever. That that was the, the biggest pouring from the arena into the concession area prior to a match. Because um, it was very noticeable how many people were getting up and, and going elsewhere when the video package aired. Emmy got no reaction when she came out. Riho gets a good reaction. Riho is over. They, they've done a good job with her. And by the end of it, you know, people were, were reacting. This match flew by. I thought it was actually shorter than Spears and Janela because one felt like 20 minutes and this one and the other felt like 10 minutes. But this one was actually a little bit longer. They had a really strong match and again, they got the crowd into it by the end. Riho uh, losing was never really in doubt because uh, I didn't think they were going to put the title on Emmy this quickly, especially with the way. Riho's gotten over and you tell that Riho awesome Kong story, which I assume is what they're going to be building to. And, and that'll be a cool visual and, and something that will actually be built. Um, and, but that goes back to the elite thing. Oh, Brandy's involved. So of course it has some type of meaning. Um, yeah. I, no one, there wasn't much reason to care for this. Kenny Omega's spreadsheet or whatever. Sure. Cool. But otherwise, this was a cold match coming in, and it, it is that that's what it was. And, you know, they got a lot of criticism for that, and they should have gotten a lot, a lot of criticism for that because this is your women's title match, and you didn't really give it a story. And then you tried to almost shoehorn a story in there on Twitter a couple hours before the event, and it's like, okay do this stuff on television say this stuff on television did did ross or excalibur like mention Ex any of this excalibur on ran down a bunch of the stats in the opening portion during the introductions and stuff so he okay. gave some background but yeah this match actually had the deepest history of anything on the whole fucking show 
And the fact that it didn't make any video cut into the countdown show, that there was never a video package on either episode of fucking Dark, and nothing on Dynamite, and the only build was Kenneth making a little tweet. I mean, that is what pissed me off, because you actually had a great student versus teacher story here, and then you were just like, eh. I mean, seriously, that, that was annoying. And then, like... Uh, people were like, well, maybe they weren't sure if they were to do the match because of visa issues. Fuck you. Let's, don't don't get into that shit. Riho's in the States. They had Emmy booked. They just fucking dropped the ball. I'm sorry. I yeah, enjoy I, I fucking Dynamite every week, but this company is not fucking perfect. I don't know where a visa issue came from. Like, Riho's been here the entire time, and Emmy's been there for weeks. Like, I don't think visa was any type okay jeremy here's the problem here's what we're running into and this is what i see all throughout my comments section you have one side that everything aew does is revolutionary and is better than everybody and then you have the wwe defense squad that rushes in there and they have the exact opposite comments on everything Every review I post for AEW starts out with a super high rating. And then about an hour later, it starts trickling down. Because I watched a little fucking uh, gimmick on the site. And all it's all these guys that come there and post the negative comments. And they're not even like commenting so much on the show. They're like, this show sucks. It was headlined by a garbage CZW match. It was probably like a 2 out of 10. And then somebody asked them, did you watch the show? No, I didn't need to. Well, you're really fucking insightful then, aren't you? So it's you have these people that are rushing to both sides. And it's like, first of all, calm the fuck down. It's professional wrestling. That's the big thing. Fuck you, Jarvis. God damn it. So, but it's like, seriously, calm the hell down. No company is fucking perfect. Surely WWE isn't perfect. New Japan isn't perfect. AEW isn't perfect. MLW isn't perfect. Impact isn't perfect. Nobody is fucking perfect. ROH is perfect. No, I think we can agree Shane Taylor is perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But it's just, you get this, uh, this weird fucking battle every fucking review I post, man. It's like, calm down, people. The... I agree with you. Everyone feels like they have to go to one extreme or the other. And it's like some stuff is just good and some stuff is not so good. And in the end, it's it's all fine. Um, one thing I, I to, to speak on Emmy some more is people don't get her. Like, there's no explanation of who she is. Like, when she came out on, on Dynamite this past week in the arena, I, I thought she was like a Tai Chi ripoff coming out with a lip syncing and stuff. And then I saw the mustache and the, the We Will Rock You kind of chant and everything. Oh, I was like, oh, she's doing Freddie Mercury. But even people around me at um, uh, like media people, so people who cover the sport, they're like, it's understood that she's Freddie Mercury. It's like, yeah, you'd think, you know, th- this would be explained in some way, but it's, it's really not. Otherwise, it's just like, why is she Freddie Mercury? What What is the point of this? What is? Why is she doing this? And it's not really explained. It's just, she's just doing it. Well, I get your point, but I will say Excalibur did explain it on Dynamite and on pay-per-view because Jim Ross is like, what's up with the mustache? And Excalibur explained that... Okay, well, that... 
Excalibur explained that she idolizes Freddie Mercury as the greatest performer of in, in entertainment of all time and wants to be like him. And then, then the, the best part is on the pay-per-view, Emmy comes out and Jim Ross goes, Excalibur, what's up with the mustache? And Excalibur was like, Christ. Well, Jim, she idolizes Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and he repeats the same well, fucking thing. I'm glad they explained it on the TV show. Obviously, I did not hear that being yeah. in the arena for, for both of and, them. So it's good that that yeah, was and I'm not discounting explained. your point because obviously they need to do better work with video packages to explain it because apparently tons of people do not understand. Yeah, Jim Ross, it was explained to him, and then he forgot three days later. It's Jim Ross, though, so what the fuck? But yeah, anyway, I like the match. Um, so we head, headed to uh, the championship match. MJF was out with Cody. Jake Hagar was out with Le Champion Chris Jericho. The 60-minute time limit, and if we got to a draw, it would go to three judges for a decision, which were Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, and the great Muta. And the other stipulation was, if Cody loses, he can never challenge for the championship again, Jeremy. Le champion Chris Jericho defeated Cody at 29-35 when that son of a bitch MJF threw in the towel. Now, first of all, early in this match, they're going back and forth. Cody fires up, sends Jericho to the ramp, and Cody's like, you know what? I'm going to do a fucking tope. So he flies out and does a tope. Jericho moves, and Cody fucking face plants on the ramp. And the first thing I saw on Twitter was like, oh, Cody's going to blade. Well, Cody didn't need to fucking blade. Because that no. man <laughs> busted his head open. Yeah. Oh my god, it was a, uh, like, if you watch MMA, that was like a gash after an elbow strike. And, uh... Yeah, it, it did not look good. You knew someone was gonna do the, the sting, uh, jump over the top rope, uh, onto the ramp type deal uh, that Sting always seemed to do when they had the elevated ramp. So you knew that was coming. I thought it was actually gonna be Omega who was gonna do it, but it ended up being Cody, and yeah, he face planted and, and busted himself on that one. In New York, that would have been a doctor stop. Well, my, in my review, the first thing I wrote after Cody was legit busted open is I said, "Don't call the commission and screw over Cody like Luger was screwed." Because back <laughs> at, back at the um, Great American Bash, Luger was about to beat Flair, but he was bleeding, and the commissioner stopped the match, and Lex got screwed. And then my next sentence, Jeremy, we're five minutes into the match is. My God, what if MJF throws in the scarf on Cody? Yeah, I I didn't see the that particular ending coming, uh, to, to be honest, and maybe I should have, but it was a... The crowd was really stunned because, you know, Cody's in the, the walls and it's the, the cool walls where the neck is bent and everything, and the, the towel just it comes in and it's like, oh, shit, like, that's it. That's the ending. And the crowd was really, really shocked in, in a good way. Not like they didn't feel screwed. I mean, they did. They chanted bullshit. But it, it was more of a, a bullshit of bull, bullshit by MJF, not bullshit that this is our finish. Um, so I really like the ending. I like the match overall. I was a little bit worried, especially when they kind of did the whole 
oh, it could go an hour, and then it goes to judges. It's like, don't have this go a fucking hour. Like, we, we don't need it. It still went long, but it it was another one that just didn't feel that long, and they worked really well. Cody has just been awesome, absolutely awesome dur- during this run over the last year or so. And just, once again, his crowd control, like, when he comes out, he comes off as the biggest star in the world. Chris Jericho is obviously Chris Jericho. He knows what he's doing well. Um, Hagar being there as a heater. Even MJF played his role really well. So I, I thought this match was was, was fantastic from, from start to finish. And then you throw in the post-match angle as well. Yeah, uh, overall, I thought it was great. I thought it was the best thing on the show. Uh, and I loved it. I thought the work was great. I thought the storytelling was great. They had me heavily invested in buying into it throughout the match. And for me, most importantly, it never felt long. Uh, no, it definitely yeah, did They had a lot to play with in regards to the stipulation. I think they found a great balance and a finish that worked overall. Uh, Cody delivered on another story-heavy match, which he's excelled in so far. And I'm really interested to see where they go with MJF because he's now free to be that spectacular asshole. We all know that he is going forward. And they have to absolutely follow up Wednesday night with him getting promo time. Because if they don't, that'll be the stupidest fucking thing they've done. I, I truthfully think, and I know they don't like opening with promos, I think MJF should open the show. Just have him there. Have him already in the ring. No entrance music or anything like that. He's just in the ring and just, just go. Like a cold open promo because you don't really see that. Like, you know, WWE, they everybody has to come out and do their big entrance and whatever. And I know AEW doesn't like, they, they don't like doing show opening promos and whatnot. But I, I think you just start on tight with this guy and, and go from there. Don't even like try to build it or anything. Uh, Cause it's built like that's the angle, you know, uh, almost like the, the Finn Balor thing when he turned heel, it's like, don't, don't promote that. He's going to, Oh, why Finn? Why explain his actions? Just have him come out and do his damn promo. Hey, the same thing with MJF. Don't, don't even promote like MJF is going to explain his actions. Like you've got your hook. The hook is already in there. You don't need to try to boost it and make it more than just have MJF be there and it's like, all right, here we go. Let him explain. And then, and then that's that. And it, it doesn't have to be a 20-minute promo. It really doesn't because it doesn't need to be. MJF can explain everything in, in five minutes. And then you go from there. Uh, yeah, I, he's got to get the mic on Wednesday. I imagine he will. I can't. I don't think they're going to screw that up. Um, as far as the heel turn goes, I look, we knew it was coming at some point. It was just a matter of, of when, not if. Do you think they did it too early? In a way, yes, but I also think that if it comes later in a less important moment, I think that's it's just less impactful. Because here he 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 ends up screwing Cody for the belt. You know, he throws in the towel and then he turns on him afterwards. So that is like the biggest heat because not only did he cost Cody the championship, he cost him a chance to ever, you know, unless they find a booking loophole out of it, they find a way for, you know, it, he's now cost Cody the chance to not only win it, but to ever challenge for it again. And that's just a huge fuck you. 
I think they could have played it out longer, but with the situation they were in with the title match, I do think it came off well. And going to your point of how they don't like to do the show opening promo, the thing is, they haven't done the show opening promo. They've done different ways to open a show every week. So the reason people hate show opening promos is because WWE does them on Raw and SmackDown every fucking week, 52 weeks a year. And nothing's ever different. Maybe once or twice a year they mix it up, but otherwise it's the same shit. That's why people hate an opening promo. Like you said, I think if he's just in the ring, arena's dark, little spotlight hits him, and he's just standing there with a shit-eating grin on his face... And let him do his work. Yeah, I I agree with you that people get sick of the opening promo is because WWE does it literally every single week. Whereas AEW, they've done different openings every week. So if you do it here, it doesn't come off as like, oh, they're going to do this every week. And then next week you open with a match and then you go from there. So I think it works this week as much as they can say they don't like it and they don't want to do it. Fine. You're not doing it every week. If you do it once or twice, it, it's still impactful. Well, here's the thing, too. Um, as far as- here's the thing. It's not like it's fucking Sean Spears coming out with his chair and his dick in his hand to be like, I'm the chairman. Garbage wrestling is bad. I'm not the 10 guy, but hey, guys, 10. By the way, here's Tully. Please react for me. I mean, no, this is a yeah. major fucking angle. Right, right. As far as the the timing of the turn... I'm with you that the timing made sense because that that it was such a huge moment and an impactful moment. I do think they had more life in it, though, because, as you said, um, he screwed him out of the title here, but he screwed him out of the title down the line. Like, assuming they, they stick with this booking, and I imagine they will for a while, like Cody's not getting um, a title shot. Here's why I think that they could have gotten more out of it is now you can kind of argue like, oh, MJF, like he screwed me out of the title. I can get a title match, whatever. Like if you draw this out for another couple months, because, you know, Cody hinted at uh, the big five on five match, the, the, the war games or the match beyond whatever, like you do that then. And then it all harkens back to MJF feeling like, oh, shit, like oh, we threw the, the towel in then and like he it almost come, becomes more impactful. Like, damn, he not only screwed him over then, he screwed him over long-term. And, like, this is a whole long-term game plan for MJF to, like, really just keep screwing over this guy from the inside almost. So I do think it had more legs to it. I don't think it completely, you know, it didn't take away. It still came off really well. But I also do think they, they left a little out there. And, uh, you know, could they have screwed that up and done it, pulled the trigger too late? Because we've seen that before. Sure. And you never want to do that. And so they, because of the, the reaction it got, they clearly pulled the trigger at the right time. But did they have more left on there? I think they did. Uh, but I'm not saying that it was a mistake to do it here either. Yeah, I think they likely could have played it out further. But I do think it worked in the moment. And like everything, Jeremy, the follow-up is the key. So if he if he comes out and delivers like a great fucking promo to start the show, and then they do some kind of angle with Co- like Cody comes out and he's fucking infuriated, maybe we get a little brawl or whatever. I don't know, but they just they just need to follow up and get the path because, as you said, Cody's been great so far. 
and I think MJF has the chops to be a great heel. He's done some really, really, really good stuff outside of AEW as far as heel work goes. Now he's going to get a chance to shine. He's obviously going to be given time and an opportunity working with Cody. This could be a really, really great uh, underneath feud like Moxley and Omega was to the title picture. And again, you need layers, so I'm all for it, and it's a huge chance for MJF to step up and deliver. Uh, I think Cody should book the entire organization because anything he's done has been the best thing on, it seemed like, maybe not the Sean Spears match, but the angle going into <laughs> that what was great. The, mat, the match sucked, but uh, the, the stories Cody has been able to tell has been fantastic, and we're going to get that again with this MJF feud. So whatever Cody is doing is working Omega and, and the bucks. Uh, like it's, it's fine, but Cody is like, his stuff is really on a different level as far as connecting. Yeah. Well, I think the thing too, is what I'm thinking of is, well, first of all, number one, uh, we talked about making stars and stuff, and this is obviously going to be a big opportunity to make MJF a big star, which I'm all for. The other thing with like the bucks and Omega is, I think early on, they had to decide, like, okay, we all obviously can't be pushed, but at the same time, we all can't be the guys putting people over. So, for whatever reason, instead of Kenny Omega and the Bucks, which, I mean, I'm not arguing it, they went with Cody. And, obviously, from what we've seen, it's been the right call. Cause every- That's because Cody actually has a character and depth no offense to omega and the bucks but omega has been all over the place as a character like going back to the the sean spears stuff they you know you can't follow being the elite and dark and all dynamite like it's very tough but if you do then kenny omega's character has been fucking just absolutely nuts on the what they're actually trying to tell with him and the bucks they're they're just great wrestlers they're the best tag team they're they're the bucks they're, they're family men, I guess, but if you don't know the history of the Young Bucks, they're just kind of a very good tag team, and that's fine. Like, it works for them. Cody, like, he is very well-defined, and I, I think that's the reason why he ends up getting the biggest reaction on every single show is because he is as, as defined as he is. Not only that, is it's not only that he's defined as a character, Jeremy. He, to a lot of people represents the face of the anti-WWE. He, he yeah. is the face of this quote-unquote movement. And he got people behind him. He got people buying into him. And then he comes yeah, he comes out on Dynamite that first week. And Jesus Christ, he came out. It was like a god arrived. I was shocked. I mean, he had gotten the good pay-per-view reactions and stuff, but I mean... Coming out that first week on TV, I was like, God damn. And I was like, you know, we, we, we talked about, we mauled over, is, is Cody versus Sammy Guevara like a good step for their first TV match? And obviously everything worked out good with the, with the angle they ran and everything. But it's like, I mean, they made the right choice with Cody. And I, you know, I, I am not, you know, going to, you know, sugarcoat it. I had my ups and downs with Cody ever since he left WWE. There were times that I thought, he showed flashes of brilliance, like wrestling Kota Ibushi and stuff, and then he just, he had all those fucking circus matches and actually had a boring match with Hiromu Takahashi and ROH. 
Which, I mean, how the fuck do you do that? So it's like, but then, like, you see all the stuff he's done so far. I mean, I'm in. I, I bought in on Cody. I've enjoyed the hell out of everything he's done. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like, but why isn't it Kenny? Well, you know what? It They made the right choice for now, and I think they're telling... They're going to... Uh, I'm not saying they're telling. They're going to try to tell a longer-term story with Kenny Omega. And we'll see what that is. But right now, I mean, Cody's the dude. Cody, he's not going to win Wrestler of the Year because his matches... He hasn't had enough, and, like, Osprey is winning that. But as far as, like, character of the year, like, connection of the year, I don't know if these are real things... I, Cody has got to be at the top of the list. I can't think of anybody else who just gets the crowd into it like like he does and, and just has everyone hanging on every moment, whether it's a match or a promo or anything. Again, all of his stories have been so good this year. The Dustin stuff, the Sean Spears stuff, the, the MJF stuff, the Jericho stuff. like all those, those have been his big four stories. And like even the Darby Allen stuff, like they told a story there. Like all of his stories have been outstanding. Anybody can have, I wouldn't say anybody can have great <laughs> matches, but there's so, so many good wrestling out there. And Osprey has obviously been on another level than a lot of guys. But to tell the stories Cody has told is very difficult nowadays. And Cody has done it in a masterful way. He really has, dude. And I just, it, it's really cool to see because, like I said, I had been hot and cold on Cody and it's like I like when there's a dude that I kind of like get down on and then all of a sudden it's like holy shit you know they turn on calm down cat I didn't ask you for your fucking opinion but uh yeah no I think it's really cool to see uh so that leads us to the main event of the evening Jeremy the unsanctioned lights out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega I loved at the beginning that they started brawling, they went to the floor, Moxley took control, and then he looked at the camera and said, it's time for some fucking garbage wrestling, baby. <laughs> Died. Absolutely fucking dead. So, they went almost 39 minutes. They beat the shit out of each other with barbed wire baseball bats. They tore up Moxley's back with the fucking barbed wire broom. They brought out this fucking spider-webbed barbed wire contraption at one point. Kenny Omega V-triggered him through, like, a spotlight gimmick on the stage. Uh, yeah, they were beating the shit out of each other. They brought out ground-up glass. I mean, it was just all kind of fucking shit. Like, 50 feet of golden chains. They were chain wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish when he was choking Kenny out, he would have said, I thought you wanted to chain wrestle, Kenny. Because I would have laughed. Because, like, Moxley's shit-talking is greatly entertaining. But, yeah, it's just, uh, they did a bunch of insane shit. It is a match that is not going to be for everybody. I know there's a lot of people that loved it, uh, even more than I did. I, I thought it was great, but I know there was people that were like, Jesus Christ, that was, like, the greatest hardcore match I ever saw, five stars. And then I know people that just shit all over it and hated every minute of it. Um, I thought it was great. I thought they delivered on the stipulation and violence that they promised in the build. Uh, if it had been a little shorter, would have been better, I think. Because part of the reason it was long is they had a lot of spots where they were just looking for shit to do and hit each other with. So that yeah. took away from it a little bit for me. I think it's much better if it's shorter. I do think they delivered. I thought Moxley winning was absolutely the right fucking call. 
Cause he's one of the guys. He's he's up. He's Jericho, Cody, Moxley. They're the fucking dudes right now. And I'm all for Big John Moxley picking up this win. The WWE guys. Um, I I really enjoyed the match. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, like I watch a lot of the GCW stuff because I think GCW is a really cool promotion that does innovative stuff. But. I get a little uncomfortable when they do like all the doors and the mouse traps and the light tubes, especially I was like the only thing missing from the, from this match was the, the light tubes. Um, so it, like the glass stuff when Kenny's like cutting his hand and the, it, you know, bringing out the barbed wire spider web, it was very like set up and whatnot. It took a little while. Like there, there was some contrived stuff, which you would expect in a match like this. It got a little uncomfortable. It got a little long in the tooth. I do appreciate that, you know, they said they were going to fucking, you know, they teased the barbed wire bat. They teased the barbed wire broom. We got that. It wasn't a thing of uh, like Ambrose and Lesnar at WrestleMania where they teased all this shit. And then Ambrose didn't get to do any of that shit. Uh, it just got yeah, beat Brock like a drum in that, that match. Shit, brother. Yeah, like they teased the chainsaw and then. You know, he couldn't get the chainsaw started and Brock just beat the shit out of him anyway. Like, they, they teased all that stuff. They delivered on that stuff. So I thought that was good. You know, they said they were going to try to rip each other's faces off. They they did that. I I appreciate that they delivered on the stipulation. Again, not my cup of tea, but I still enjoyed the match for what it was. And I thought that, you know, deathmatch wrestling is not something that is going to be for everyone, but it's also not something that you're going to see in a lot of mainstream pro like WWE is not doing anything like this impact. Even they have some hardcore matches, but they don't always get take it to like this kind of level. ROH obviously isn't doing anything like this. So like AEW is doing this and it's something different. It's going to turn off some people. And I think that is a, a potential risk, but for right now, it's it worked for them for for this match the crowd the crowd was into it but there were those uncomfortable moments of like okay uh, either you gotta you gotta end this or you know how much more can people take like i had people around me saying like what are these guys the fiend like kicking out of some of this stuff when you know moxley or not moxley um yeah after the barbed wire spot and then they pulled up the ring and did that stuff and they were still kicking out of stuff um, after everything they'd been through, Omega, the the fucking uh, Phoenix Splash, which I guess is a nod to Dakota Abushi, and when he crashed and burned on that on the exposed ring, that looked like it fucking sucked. sucked. Yeah, like it looked terrible, and I like that was another one of those uncomfortable things. Like, oh my god, like did you really need to take that? But he did, and. I guess credit to him. And, you know, fortunately that directly led to the finish of the paradigm shift, but Oh my God, that just looked like it sucked. And yeah, some of that stuff was uncomfortable, but I, I didn't hate it as much as I assume some people did, but it's also, it's not something I want to see every single event. Cause that's just not my style of wrestling. Yeah. And uh, we need to put a moratorium on the uh, lights out on sanction match for a while. Cause again, this was the third one since like may, so, uh, you know, so we need to need to need to pull back on that. 
I mean, it was the third one since June because yeah. Fighter Fest was was yeah, June. So, June. so yeah, well, I said May. I was close, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, need to pull back because again, you're gonna get diminishing returns, and yeah, you definitely can't run shit like this on every show. Nor do I want it on every show. It's okay to have variety, but yeah, there are gonna be people that do not like it that are gonna be turned off by it. Uh, and there are going to be people that love it, though. Uh, whether that outweighs the people that it turns off, I don't know. Um, but you got to be careful in that regard. Obviously, they're not going to do any shit like this on TV because they're smart. Yeah, they're definitely not doing anything like this yeah. on TV. <laughs> Fucking bored with, like, 50 mouse traps and shit on it. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I... The, the other thing... Yeah. Go no, ahead. No, you're good. Okay, the other thing that was... I don't know if it's uncomfortableness, but what just kind of took away from it is none of it mattered. And I don't mean that to, to say like, oh, it, absolutely nothing mattered, but no title on the line. It didn't count on a win-loss record or anything. Like They just tried to maim each other for the sake of maiming each other. And cool, that's fine, but if, in a company where wins and losses are supposed to matter, it's like you did all of this for pride? Like, okay, cool, but pride doesn't get you a title shot in this company, supposedly. So I, I think that was a little bit of a turnoff for me as well, as they just did all this stuff. Like, this is the main event of your pay-per-view, and there were literally no stakes to it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the biggest problem I had was the, the fact that they did it so that they could get out of giving Kenny Omega another loss, basically. Right, and then I mean that's what we talked about in, in a preview was this is why they're doing it. So okay, they don't want Omega losing. So so fine, but then th th this is a drawback of the wins and losses stuff mattering is you've got to almost do stuff like this so you can protect people, or you got to do rubber matches or, or kind of fifty fifty booking so, so people aren't taking like too many losses and stuff and. I, I know why they're trying to do the wins and losses mattering. We've already seen it kind of be an issue with how you're going to get guys over and protect guys because you're going to look at some of these records and see uh, that some of these guys are just getting beaten a lot. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so overall, I thought, like I said earlier, I thought it was a very good show. Um, but th there are problems. It's not perfect. They need some editing in places. They need they need a sounding board. They need somebody to kind of like pump the brakes on certain things. thought it was a very good show. The question I have for you, Jeremy, is this. The previous two pay-per-views without TV did 100,000 buys. Right. They have now had six weeks of TV. Do you think that the six weeks of TV to many people whet their appetite enough that they're like, well, I can get this every week. Do I have to buy the show now? It's not this cool thing that I heard about now that I have to see because I can only see it on pay-per-view. So do you think the buys will be up over 100000 from the last show, or do you think it will actually drop this time? I, I think it'll drop. And it goes back to almost the, the honeymoon period of, you know, the first one, everyone wanted to see it because it was something new. But All Out was down from from Double or Nothing because already it, it was just it wasn't it wasn't the first. 
And so it just it wasn't as important. And even though you have TV to build this stuff now and the a lot of the stuff they did, especially on that go home show, was really interesting. The, the Cody promo especially was a money uh, promo. And so theoretically, that should help the buys. But it is a thing, like you said, OK, I can see this every week, so it doesn't feel quite as big like you are. You know, it is a commitment to, to spend that much money. When other companies, you're, you're not having to spend that much money. Um, they, I don't know how much of a crossover. I'm sure Meltzer will have it in his, uh, in the Observer, the crossover stuff. There was a, a really dumb boxing fight between two YouTube stars. They probably did like a fucking million buys because people are interested in train wrecks like that. And I don't know what the crossover is for AEW fans and people who like train wrecks, but there was some you know it was up against something else they're up against college football and i do think college football hurt the the last show as well because they they were up against it and that is going to be a thing running on saturday nights during college football season they're they're going to have to deal with um I, i do think it'll be down a little bit but i do think hopefully it did well the other thing too is if if you're a wrestling fan on a budget and say you have new japan world and say you have Impact Plus. There was an Impact Plus show last night. There was a New Japan show last night. And there was an Evolve show even. So if you're a wrestling fan on a budget and you already have those services, maybe you opted out of the $50 price tag because, well, listen, I'm already paying for these services so I can get this wrestling. And, you know, if I want AEW, I can watch Dark and Dynamite and I'll be caught up. That's fine. So that, right. that that's I, I on top of the boxing thing and the college football that you brought up. Yeah, I, I'm sure it'll do fairly well. And yeah, theoretically, television should increase buys. But honestly, the, the, the newness, the freshness factor, it almost plays more of a, an increase than, than anything. Because just look at the ratings. The ratings start strong and now six weeks later they're doing half of what they did for the first show and okay the world series cut into that but even then like even after the world series like people weren't coming back to the show and and that's kind of an issue is that you had six weeks they're getting praised by all the like critically i I don't think they've had a quote-unquote bad week of television um and yet they, they've lost almost half their viewers in those six weeks. So something somewhere isn't clicking. And I, like they're always going to have their, their core fan base. And those people are going to keep buying the shows and keep buying the shows. And like, it, it'll be it, – they'll keep getting those buys. But right now, it doesn't look like they're, they're retaining or drawing much – after that and i do think that could be an issue i'd still give it more weeks of television like being up against the baseball playoffs heard you know nxt is going to be coming on strong now with the the main roster guys at least up until um the up until survivor series after that we'll see but this is why i said december is going to be like let's see where both companies are at at december because theoretically there's really no competition Wednesdays by December Survivor Series will be over and this is even before we knew NXT was going to be part of Survivor Series but 
the main roster guys theoretically won't be on NXT after that. And we will see kind of where both shows are. But, you know, all, Double or Nothing was the newness factor. All Out, which theoretically should have been bigger than Double or Nothing because that had weeks of build. Um, it, it had some some good stories going in. You're crowning your, your first world champion. But they, they kind of screwed that up with the, the build to, to Hangman. Um, and now television, theoretically, it should be bigger because you've had uh, six weeks of television to build this. And, and you've built it really well. But the intrigue that there was that... That was there for double or nothing, isn't there anymore? Yeah. So I mean, I I don't think they've had a bad week of television at all. I've greatly enjoyed the television, but as we've been talking about, kind of all throughout the review here, the TV show is far from perfect, and there's something missing that is not retaining those viewers. Whether it's video packages or reasons to care about people or maybe it's too much just straight wrestling action for some people. Like for me, it ticks a lot of boxes. I'm getting some good promos. I'm getting a lot of good to great wrestling. So yeah, that's great for Larry Zonka, but that's not great for the 600,000 viewers you've lost. So, you know, they obviously need to fix something and, you know, so we'll see what they do. But again, I also do want to keep stating that it's a six-week-old TV property. And if anybody expects it to be perfect, especially going up against WWE, who's been in the business for how fucking long producing TV and making money, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be growing pains. The thing is, is they have to figure out what the problems are and fix them. Here's the, here's the other thing, is because you get so much good wrestling on Dynamite, you know, your pay-per-views are theoretically like these are your big matches. This is where you're going to get your great wrestling. Your, your television matches, okay, they're television matches for a reason. They're they're here to build towards the big pay-per-view matches. This is what you pay to see. Was the Young Bucks uh, proud proud and powerful match any better than the Young Bucks private party match? I like the private party match better, but I get yeah, what, yeah. like you can get. You can get that match on television. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Moxley and Omega was was just as crazy, is crazier than anything you're going to see on television. But Omega and Janela on AEW Dark was a pretty fucking crazy match, and you got that for free on YouTube. So, yeah, this was much crazier, but you can still see crazy shit on YouTube, and you can still see great matches on Dynamite. So why pay fifty dollars? to kind of see that that sort of same stuff. Obviously, there are bigger stars involved. Like, you're not going to see Cody and Jericho on on Dynamite, as far as, at least in that type of, of story-filled match. But Jericho has kind of been wrestling every week. Cody, Cody's been a little less with the wrestling, and I do think that was a, a good call. But Jericho has been, like, you, you've seen Jericho defend the title on television. I get you got to do that stuff, but if you do that stuff too often then it does turn people off of the pay-per-view because like you said, if you can see it for free, why are you paying $50 for it? Even if uh, it's bigger stars and the matches are built well, but if you can still see similar kind of action in matches that might be just as good on TV, why spend $50 for a pay-per-view? Yeah. So we will find out what the buys are. Would you say... 
Higher than 60 but lower than 90? I would say higher than 60. If it does less than 60, I think that's a, a big red flag because that's that's what, um, a quarter or a third of your, your previous audience? Like if you do 100,000, like you've lost 40,000. Yeah. That, that's a pretty big chunk. And you've had six weeks of... Sorry, you have six weeks of, of television to, to build stuff. You should not be lo- losing buys when you've now had television to build. So if they do less than 60, I think that's bad. If they do less than 75, I think that's bad because that is, that's a quarter uh, of your audience that are no longer buying your pay-per-views. If they do 90, I think that's good. Any type of drop will be seen as a negative, but I do think that the, you know, the freshness factor of it and the curiosity factor of it is now gone because it's not the first. And we have had television where people can say like, okay, I can get this, I can get this for free now. Um, but yeah, anything less than 75, I, I think is a, a red flag. Uh, I would be upset for, if I was them, if it's below 90, I can accept a 10% drop just because the, you're offering three hours a week now, basically for free. Cause if you have cable and then the YouTube show, so you may have a lot of people that are like, I can get my AEW fix now through this. I think if it's if they're lower than ninety, I'm concerned, and they can't, they definitely can't drop on the next one. But I would be fascinated to see what it is because, like, you brought up the honeymoon period, and I just think that there's so much out there. And again, there's that feeling that you know there were three other wrestling shows that night, and if you're a wrestling fan and you have a bunch of those services, you're like, well, I already have this shit basically ordered because I have the service, so I'm just gonna. Watch the New Japan show and read a review of AEW, or I'm going to watch the Impact show and read a review of AEW, you know? So, I'm going to be fascinated to see what it is. It, it might be pretty telling, but they, uh, if it drops to 90, I'm not as concerned. If it's lower than that, I'm concerned. Yeah, I, 90, I, 90 would be good. I think 80 would be fine. Again, 75 or lower would be concerning to me and uh, i guess we'll find out on on thursday maybe a little bit after the other thing is just like the hard evidence of it like Meltzer's is really the only person that's going to report on the buys and i'm not saying it's not like a credible report but you don't really know always how that kind of buy rate stuff works with um with with fight tv and then there's also traditional pay-per-view buys and stuff so i i'm sure not that Meltzer is not credible with it, but I'm sure AEW actually has internal numbers that are probably a little bit more credible. And so those would be, you know, how are they reacting internally to this would be more and same thing with like television ratings. People are like, Oh, the, the stuff is dropping, stuff is dropping, but in- internally um, they're, they're still happy with things because they thought they were going to do like 500,000. And so the fact that they're still at like 800, is is great news for them. Well, the now other thing too is of, that TNT is ecstatic about the demo ratings because right. of the ad so, split stuff. So I mean, that's another thing to consider. I mean, obviously the overall drop is not good, but if TNT is happy and they can at least be consistent, that's fine as long as they can keep the TV deal. Right, and and you know, viewing habits have changed so so much over the years to where pay per view just. It's big, but it's only big for certain things. Like, you know, a big-time boxing fight will do well. A big-time – even UFC stuff is gone down big t- downhill 
because you know it's on like a streaming service now there's not even like a traditional pay-per-view kind of stuff there's more illegal streams out there than ever before you know i don't condone that stuff but uh if you want to find that it's very easy to to find an illegal stream to to watch these shows and you, you know who knows how much that's hurting who like the replay buys who knows what that is um and who knows just how many people are just not watching because as you said there were three other wrestling shows going on there was college football going on there was a train wreck boxing fight going on and if you you can watch that stuff live two hours later you can find the pay-per-view skip matches like sean spears and joe Janela. yeah so, uh, but uh, that's going to wrap us up. Jeremy, thank you for joining me from the road. Yes, I, it's been all, it's been good that I've had this talking because I, it's taken my mind off of this fucking long drive that I've had. You'll be back in the office as usual this week for our show? If I'm not dead, if I'm not just sleeping the entire week, then yeah, I, I'll, I'll be around. Fair enough. So, yeah, we'll be back later this week. I want to thank everybody for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and, of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Until later this week, kids, have a good time.